this month's episode is going to have a sports theme. But if you don't follow sports, you may want to listen anyway, because it's about how sporting events affect your business. We often hear about the economic impact of a new sports venue or event, but how does that get measured? Is the impact real? Let's find out together. Why? Because it's just good business. I'd like to welcome my co-host for this month, Sean McCormick. Sean, thank you for pulling double duty this month. Always my pleasure, brother. I'm happy to be on the podcast. Take a guess as to why that might be. Why is that? Because it's just good business. Hey, that's my line. If you say so, my friend. (laughs) Anyway, I say you're pulling double duty this month because normally you're on to bring the consumer spending data in the buy the numbers segment. That is correct. I love helping you out. But this month, you're also my co-host. And do you know why? Why is that? Because I used to watch you as an anchor on Roger Sportsnet. And now that we work together, I'll take advantage of any opportunity to have you on to talk about sports. Well, that was just a proving ground to hone my skills in order to be good enough to be on your show, brother. The flattery will get you everywhere with me, Sean. You know when a city or a province is deciding on whether to build a new sports venue or bid to host a major sporting event or even start a new sports team, there's invariably the talk about economic impact to business in the area as one of the benefits. Yeah, I'm very familiar with the game that's played. Uh, Covered the 2010 Olympics. That was Mm. probably my favorite assignment in my previous career here for the construction of BMO Field in Toronto and a lot of other sporting ventures. Now, you covered those as a sports anchor, but now you're on the other side of that coin as part of Moneris' data services team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We're dependent on to provide data and insights that help decision makers make these important Mm -hmm and expensive decisions. But we don't just do that for large international events. That's great when we do. Mm -hmm. Consumer spending data benefits organizations of all shapes and sizes. In what way? Well, um, as you know, I recently hosted a webinar where uh, we talked about inflation-adjusted volume growth in different sectors across Canada and how it is affecting uh, different sectors like Mm -hmm. restaurants, groceries, travel. This is the kind of data that is critical to making informed business decisions, regardless of the size of the business. Interesting. Well, getting back to sports, though, in February of last year, we talked about the impact of the World Cup, for example, and the NFL championship on Canadian business. Yes, the NFL championship, the big game Mm -hmm. uh, has become the world over due to trademarking restrictions. Uh, Yeah, those events are always busy times for businesses like cafes, restaurants and bars, to name a few. It injects money into local economies, hard stop. Yeah, and both of those events happen outside of Canada, but still have pretty good impact to some Canadian businesses. Oh, for sure. Going back to the 2010 Olympics, that was on home soil. Tell you what, if Monero Data Services was around back then, it would have been really cool to see the impact of that event on the city of Vancouver and even Canada as a whole. Right. Who wasn't jammed into a bar or restaurant Mm -hmm. cheering on Canada with a Canadian flag draped around their back at some point during that? two-week period. If we knew then what we know now about analyzing spending data, that would have been an amazing study on on the economic impact of the Olympics because the the forecasts and the results back then, Mm -hmm. 14 years ago, our ability to quantify the impact, it was a crude exercise compared to the tools that, that we've got now. Having said that, not nearly as big as the Winter Olympics in Toronto last month, we did host the NHL All-Star Weekend. 
Yeah, we did. We have some awesome data on that event as it, as it relates to restaurants and hotels, uh, mm-hmm. a success, hands down. So we'll get to that a little later in this episode. But first, we're going to do a quick pivot from sports to bring you part three of our merchant journey story. In the business, Al, I think we call it a teaser. You like that, eh? Uh, and following the merchant journey, I'll chat with our friend R.P. Plourd from UEAT, who will have some great restaurant data around this past month's NFL championship, a.k.a. the big game. And speaking of the big game, Last year, you correctly picked Kansas City over Philly. Uh, did you have Kansas City again this year? Uh, I'd like to say I did. <laughs> I changed my mind right? in the last half second. I was actually placing my wager, and I said to the gentleman at the wicket when I was in Las Vegas, I said, I'll put X amount on the Chiefs. And I said, no, 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 the Niners. And wow. I've been regretting that decision ever since. Oh, that, that was a heartbreaker then. Um, <laughs> about Kansas City, are we witnessing another dynasty in the making here? Well, it's three titles in the last five years. Yeah. That's, you know, team of the decade kind of stuff. I would say a dynasty is four titles in five years okay. or five titles in 10. Three titles in five is definitely impressive and it's a feat and not many teams do it a dynasty in my mind is a term that should be reserved for a precious few teams like the new england patriots that was a dynasty Mm -hmm. i think that the correlations and the parallels that are being drawn between the kansas city chiefs and the new england patriots and patrick mahomes and the goat tom brady i think it's reasonable to try to draw those parallels But Patrick Mahomes has three Super Bowls. That's awesome. Good for him. Not taking it away from him. Not only does he not have the seven Super Bowls that Tom Brady has, he doesn't even have the four that Joel Montana does. So (laughs) until he passes Joel Montana, then we can talk. I'm perfectly happy to have that conversation after he passes the next guy in line. And that's why I had you on to co-host this month. Uh, All right, let's get on with our episode and begin with part three of our merchant journey. Here we go. Hi, Sydney. How are you doing today? I'm good, Al. How are you? I'm not bad. Time for part three of our Merchant Journey story. Awesome. So for those who've been listening along, great. For those who haven't heard the first two parts, you may want to go back and listen to January and February's Just Good Business to hear the first two parts. So you know what's going on here. But basically, in part one, we meet your friends, Sam and Lindsay, who are the owners and operators of Saving Grays, which is a company that makes custom-made delicious charcuterie boards. They have a Wix website and, they've been, and they were selling it without any kind of online shopping cart. So we decided we were going to help them set that up. So then in episode two, we met one of our salespeople in Berlin, and she took us through the whole process of the questions she asked so that she knows what solution to recommend to Sam and Lindsay. And so we got all that squared off. So now in episode three, why don't you tell us what we're going to learn? In episode three, I talk with Shira, who is part of Monaris's web design team. Mm -hmm. She takes us through the whole process of setting up the merchant's website, as well as talks about how long that process takes. That's great. So here we go with a Sydney's chat with Shira. Hi, Shira. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, Sydney. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so what is your position at Moneris? I am one of Moneris's web designers for the web creation team, and I help merchants create their website and go through a tutorial process. And how long have you been doing that for? As a web designer, I've been doing this for a long while. I've been doing this for 15 years, at least. But with Moneris, I've been with them for about two and a half years. So when designing, do you have your own process that you like to follow? During the creation of the website, right, 
we apply mm-hmm. the merchant subscription. Okay. And then afterwards, we make sure that Moneris appears as one of the payment options. Okay. And then after that, our sales team provide us with special codes that we plug into the website's payment system, right? Okay. It's like giving the website a key to open the Monero store. So okay. um, as long as the products are uploaded and the right shipping and delivery options are set up with the merchant, their customers can shop with ease. And Shira, since they were already set up with Wix at the beginning, did that make the process any easier for you? Yes, thanks to our partnership with Wix, it's actually way easier because we just get special codes from our sales team and we apply okay. that to the website's payment system. For Saving Grace specifically, how long did that process take with them? After I received endorsement from Amber, our nice sales consultant, it just took us a day or two to get scheduled for our initial session, right? And then I gathered the requirements from them. And then I applied the requested changes and additional instructions on the website after a day or two. Overall, it takes seven to 10 business days to have everything published. So it took about a week and then now they're all set up and ready to go. That's right. That's our usual or normal turnaround time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Shira, for coming on today and, uh, you know, educating our listeners on how to get that set up. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. And that was Sydney talking to Shira's Dabakal. She's from our web creations team. A lot of interesting insight that goes into setting up these shopping carts. Yeah, I had a great conversation with her. Mm -hmm. So what's in store for episode four? Episode four is going to be the reveal, actually, for Sam and Lindsay. They're going to see their website for the first time, and we're going to be able to get their reaction. I love me a good reveal. <laughs> so make sure you tune in again for April's Just Good Business to hear that episode. Sydney, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. Take your business into tomorrow today with Moneris Go, the payment terminal designed to help you thrive. Accept payments curbside, roadside, or even seaside? Let's go. Stay charged sunrise to sunset? Let's go. Simple setup, data reports, and 24-7 support? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Order today and enjoy no POS fees for three months and a cash back of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Visit go.moneris.com slash let's go. Let's go. I'm joined by RP Plurd. He's a marketing expert at UEAT. RP, thank you so much for joining me today. Al, it's great to be back. For those you know who aren't familiar about UEAT, what exactly does UEAT do? So we offer ordering solutions for thousands of restaurants across Canada. We're talking about online ordering, self-service kiosk, table ordering, uh, multiple options to mm-hmm. make their lives easier. Yeah. So, I mean, you're the perfect people to talk to about the economic impact of sporting events. And last month we had some big events happening that might have affected local business. Let's talk about that. We can't really legally say the name of the one event, but it did involve Taylor Swift and Usher. They weren't part of the sport, but they were there. Um, So let's talk about the impact of the football championship that we had back in February. The numbers are in. Absolutely. So the numbers are in. There's many numbers that I'm excited to share. Again, we are the ordering providers of thousands of restaurants across Canada. So we can take a look at the uh, specific data and commonalities between different restaurant types. Mm -hmm. So for the big game, one of the best piece of data that I'd like to share is the top selling menu items that we have across all the restaurants in Canada. I want to ask you the question, I want to venture a guess, Mm -hmm. what is the number one top selling menu item 
for the big game. For football, it's got to be chicken wings, right? It's funny because we actually had a survey on our social media about what is most popular during the big game. Is it going to be pizza? Is it going to be uh, chicken wings? Mm-hmm. And pizza came out top. Okay. I mean, that makes quick. sense. Yeah. Pizza is more, yeah, more common to order, but I love chicken wings. And so I can eat a so, ton of those. <laughs> so you're spot on, Alex. Oh. Spot on. So we're talking about pizza, chicken wings as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a new contender huh. in the top three, and that is sushi. Who would have, oh. have guessed, right? It's, it's the first time that hmm. sushi's made our list for the beginning. Okay. Well, you know what? I mean, I love sushi. I, I can eat a, a ton <laughs> of sushi. Too. And I guess it, it makes sense. It's, it's not exactly finger food, but, you know, chopstick food. Uh, wow. So yeah, football fans are, are becoming a more refined audience, I guess. <laughs> but again, yeah, yeah, I agree. We, we want to have some fun with these statistics and the data. But hmm. to bring this back over to what this means for the restaurant business, yeah. last year, you and I, we had this conversation about takeout was actually making a comeback. We're right. talking about takeout versus delivery. Mm-hmm. This year, the trend continues. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to share that this year for the big game, we're talking about a 75% takeout option was picked versus 25% for delivery. Wow. Last year, we had the idea of the reason behind this was mm-hmm. people were trying to save a few bucks, right? right? So right. they would actually drive up to the restaurant, pick up their order yeah. because it, it is in fact a lot cheaper if mm-hmm. you do pick it up yourself. But this year, again, it's clear, 75% picked takeout. Right. And you know, in February yeah. was also another event. Yes. is different than a sporting event, but still a pretty busy day for restaurants. And that was Valentine's Day. Of course. And if it's okay, I'd love to share with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As well. So for Valentine's Day, it is 80%, mm-hmm. 80% of the customers picked takeout versus 20% for delivery. That is so surprising. You can see the trend. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. Valentine's Day is generally a really big day for restaurants. And, and you picture that's because sweethearts want to take their dates out and eat out for a night. But you're saying that actually the trend that happened for the big game is also prevalent in Valentine's Day. Customers did show up at restaurants, just sure. to make this clear. Yeah. But in this case, when people are ordering food online, right. they pick takeout more than ever. And we believe that the reason why, besides saving a few bucks, is people are running errands, right? Right. So right. they will drive up to the restaurant, they'll, they'll pick up the order, then they'll stop by a wonderful bottle of wine sure. and then sure. flowers, yeah, then yeah. they'll up to oh, their home. Right? So what you're saying, that, that number is, is increased versus delivery. You're saying takeout is much higher than delivery in that case. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Food cost has gone up. Mm-hmm. Everything has gone up. Yeah. So if we could save a few bucks, we'll drive up to the restaurant and pick up our order ourselves. Now, did you guys see any new trends that happened in this past of Valentine's and, and football season? So both events was mm-hmm. a new trend and that is pre-orders. So oh. what we're talking here is the fact that Customers are going to order ahead online okay. their food for the big game or for Valentine's Day. All right. So I'm going to ask you the question just for fun. Mm. Which do you think do you think is Valentine's Day or this big game that customers pre-order the most? So, I mean, I, I would think it's Valentine's Day. But if you're relying on, and this is stereotypical, I know, but I feel like guys will pre-plan a football party, as bad as that sounds. I, I, can, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, the good news, maybe that's a good news. Yeah. It is inside Valentine's Day. Oh, okay, good. It's 49% pre-orders. All right. Wow. So 49% pre-orders. This is a new trend this year. And for the big game, mm-hmm. it is 
only 29% pre-orders. So people, yes, are planning ahead. Right. But we feel like during the big game, like yeah. less orders in food. Yeah. So it is 71% of the orders are ASAP wow. when we're talking about the big Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that also restores my faith in humanity that there are people out there, uh, you know, planning ahead for these events. Uh, now, if anybody wants to learn more about You Eat and the services you can offer for restaurants, where would they go? The best place is on our website, youeat.io. You'll find all the information and also the statistics. If you want to follow us on social media, mm -hmm. the statistics I just shared with you are available there as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, RP, for your time today. Al, it was great. Thanks. All right, Sean, we just heard from RP about uh, the big game. Let's talk about the 2024 NHL All-Star Weekend that took place earlier in February. You have some numbers for us. I do, yeah, and it has nothing to do with the three-on-three -three format of the All-Star game, whether nope. you like it or you don't like it. I can tell you that restaurants and hotels in downtown Toronto loved the All-Star game, regardless of the format. I what bet. we did is we looked at year-over-year -year results. So we looked at the same week that the All-Star game took place this year, and we compared it to the same week last year when, of course, there was no All-Star game. Mm -hmm. And then we're looking at the percent change in volume and transactions for that week. Uh, hotels, we had a 16% increase in dollar volume wow. year over year for hotels and restaurants, not up quite as much as the hotels, but still up significantly. Uh, total restaurant dollar volume in downtown Toronto was up 8% for the week. So mm. think about that. 8% doesn't seem like a massive number, but to move the needle in a center the size of Toronto, it takes a lot. Right. Anytime that a city or a municipality or a province hosts an event, what is the economic impact of the event? Mm -hmm. We can actually get a lot more scientific. Our data services team, we've got an incredible service that we can measure the lift and the impact over time. But as far as a top level number, an 8% increase in restaurant spend year over year for that week is significant. Mm -hmm. Now, we've heard an uh, increase in hotels and restaurants kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, you, more people coming into the city and then people make a night of it and go out and eat or, or go watch it at the bar. What were some of the other segments that saw increases that maybe we wouldn't think about? I would say that you'd want to focus on foreign spend. Okay. As Torontonians, we might come out and support the event, but something like an all-star game is going to attract a lot of Americans right. and also perhaps some overseas visitors, families of the all-stars, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, you know, typically we're thinking about, you know, folks from the U.S., particularly the Northeast U.S., right. maybe making that short trip to Toronto for the game. And if we look strictly at foreign spend, the numbers are actually really significant. So right. hotel spend mm -hmm. year over year, looking only at spend from foreign consumers, up 46% year over year yeah. for the week of the All-Star game. Restaurants as well. Total spend on restaurants mm -hmm. in downtown Toronto coming from foreign cards up 63% year over year. That's There's crazy. going to be a lot of measures and a lot of metrics that the NHL and the city will use to figure out if this is a successful event or not. Right. But when you look at the high level numbers of consumer spend, I got to think these are positive results. So whenever they say, you know, an event like this will bring this much into the local economy, I mean, those are some big numbers coming from outside Toronto. 
Definitely. We saw it last year mm -hmm. uh, with the F1 event uh, in Montreal. Right. Uh, we see it every year with the F1 event in yeah. Montreal, but particularly last year because that was one of the first years that the event was wide open again um, post-pandemic. Right. Uh, and we saw a lot of foreign spend, mm -hmm. uh, more foreign spend coming from overseas than we're seeing with the NHL All-Star game. You know, that's just because of the nature of F1 fans. It's huge in Europe, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but definitely an impact there. So overall, I mean, the bigger and the more international the event, the better for a local economy. Definitely. There is an impact. Great. Thank you so much, Sean. My pleasure. And that's all we have time for this month. Sean, did you learn anything new today? Uh, yeah, that I need to start serving sushi alongside chili at my big game viewing parties. Yeah, and I learned that hosting big sporting events can mean big business to the host city. Correct. So if anyone wants to learn more about UEAT or Moneris' data services, I'll post links to both sites in the show notes. And if you're listening right now and you have any questions about anything business related, you can email us at podcast at Moneris.com and we'll try to answer them in future episodes. Sean, thank you so much for co-hosting this month. Always a pleasure, Al. On behalf of Sean, myself and the rest of Moneris, it's just good business saying thank you for listening and see you in april